Welcome to the Epic Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Walker. Each week, I get to talk to amazing women about their epic adventures in motherhood. I'm so glad you joined us. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Epic Mom Podcast. My guest today is Karen Burke, and welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you, Carol. It's quite an honor to be on your podcast. I've been excited about it since you reached out, and um, it's terrific to to be here today as your guest. Well, I'm so glad that you could join me because you were definitely on my list of someone I wanted to talk to about being an epic mom. We met, what is it, like a year ago, I guess, at a triathlon camp. So you're a, a triathlon coach. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, my name is Karen Burks. I'll be 52 this year. I am married to my high school sweetheart. Um, When I was 15 years old, I moved from California to Texas. And the very first boy I ever went out on a date with, I ended up marrying seven years later. And then another seven years later, we had our first daughter named Miranda. She's 22 now. And then four years later, we had our second child, Bethany, and she'll be 18 in March. So um, this May, it'll be our 30th wedding anniversary, and we dated for seven years before that. Um, And my oldest daughter is a senior in college, and my youngest is a senior in high school. So next year, I I, um, will have two in college for a semester or so. I am a triathlete, although I consider myself retired from racing. The last big race I did was in October of 16. I trained under Siri Lindley for 10 years and did a lot of wonderful stuff and traveled to other countries to race for Team USA and had just a blast. And in November of 16, she asked me to coach. And I've got three athletes that I've coached for three years. And at one point, I had 10 athletes. But right now, the three seems perfect um, because I'm able to give them all the attention they need and to make sure they have everything they need um, throughout the day and throughout the week. It's phenomenal. Um, I'm a renewable wind energy company in Austin, Texas, and I've been employed there since 2006. Um, Predominantly, I'm in the finance section, but the last couple of years, I've got to work in the land development departments, and that's really um, fired me up and fulfilled me and was sort of uh, uh, a surprise that I kind of found my calling in a completely different area of um, the corporate world than than I thought. So it's always fun and exciting. That's cool. That's so you were mostly doing accounting and some numbers and now you're doing land. Yeah, land development. So I um, I work with landowners throughout ranches mostly to get the land entitlements necessary to build a utility scale renewable project Um, that will entail buying the land or leasing the land, getting easements, buying the wind rights. Um, so what I have found that I love most is actually the connection and the rapport and uh, the relationship that I am building with landowners and explaining what I do for the company, which I've been employed for, for 14 years now. So I have a lot of wonderful stories, um, about 
what our company does that I take pride in that I, you know, communicate with these, these landowners. So it's been super rewarding to kind of get out of the ivory tower and, you know, get out and meet with people on a daily basis. That's, you know, that's really cool. I think, I mean, you hit on something I think is really important. I think that sometimes we underestimate our need for connection Yes, with other people. So yeah. Okay. So call me ignorant, but I did not know that wind rights were sellable. Yes. You're selling the air that moves, right? You're selling the air that moves 50 feet over people's ranches. And why that's important is you don't want another wind farm coming in adjacent to you um, and, and putting up a wind turbine and stealing the wind off of your ranch. Um, so you absolutely need the wind rights. If there's a, uh, a area of land that's within, you know, so many meters of a wind turbine. Um, and also you want those wind rights because some of the finer language in the wind rights explain how they're not going to complain about the light or the flicker or the noise. Um, so it just gives you that assurance that any landowner that was within the realm of the project isn't going to sell their wind rights to another wind farm, but they're also not going to complain about yours, which is the belt and suspenders for underwriting a project and getting the, the tax equity and, and the construction financing all on board because it just takes away uncertainty. Oh, sure. Well, I am fascinated by that. I did not know that that's what you did. That's that's really cool. How long have you been doing the land part? I started doing the land part in um, August of 2018, and we did a really big project in South Texas that had about 200 different landowners, which is really epic because most wind farms have about three to five landowners. And this one was, you know, very dense and had 200 landowners. So um, I really found my calling and, you know, having that connection and the relationship and, and helping these landowners because, when I go and knock on their door, I'm, you know, wanting to give them money for their wind rights or to put a wind turbine on their farm. And it just creates another income source for them, um, which is highly, you know, beneficial in most cases. Sure. And then you're creating wind energy, which is a clean energy, which is awesome. So yeah, it's like a win, win, win. I like it. Yeah. So, okay. So a, a high school sweetheart. And how long after you were out of high school did you get married? You said seven years you dated? We started dating my sophomore year of high school. And we actually got married on the weekend we both graduated from the University of Texas at Austin. So um, we had his set of parents were in town and my parents were in town. And he didn't really want a big wedding. And, you know, to me, it just didn't matter. So we were going to, you know, go to Las Vegas and elope and um, everyone was in town for the um, college graduation. And they're like, what's going on here? You know, are y'all going to get married or what? And we're like, well, here's our, you know, wedding license. We were going to go get married next week. And so the mother-in-law um, and my mom kind of said, well, no, we want to do it this weekend <laughs> while everyone's in town. And um, so we we hurried up and got married during the weekend, May 20th, 1990, when all of our families were in town and very close friends. And we got married on the Texas Capitol grounds. Um, and I think my wedding dress, my mother-in-law bought me at second looks. It was like a $50 gown. And 
Um, that's so that's, great. I love that story. Yeah. Just as simple as it can be. And then of course my mom was crushed because one of my mom's ha- hobbies is wedding planning with one of her friends and, you know, they make wedding uh-huh. cakes and, you know, for probably the last 10 years, she had secretly been planning my wedding. And I kind of took that away from her, but she, she planned a real big reception that summer and, and here we are about to have our 30th anniversary. That's so great. So she got her big party. So that's she got good. her big party. Because right. sometimes it's not now as, as now that you're a mom. Okay. Well, okay. Before I say that, I'll just say side note, we have the same wedding anniversary, only different years. So May 20th is a good day to get married. We're going to, we're going to celebrate 25 years this May. So we're just five years behind you. Yeah. And my birthday is May 15th. Oh, it's all right there. And you got Mother's Day. And I've got Mother's Day. So May is absolutely my month. I get to do whatever I want every single May. And um, it can't be better. And the weather is always great. And like you said, May 20th is just awesome. It's a great, it's a great day. It's a great day. So what what are you thinking now as a mom about what you want to do for your girls' weddings? Like, are you like, well, they can just run away? Or do you kind of see what your moms were both thinking? Like, don't steal this moment from us. You know, until you asked me, I hadn't thought about it. Oh, I is that zero, right? Zero expectations regarding that. Um, one's 22 and one's almost 18. And both of them have only had one boyfriend so far. Um, and the youngest one that's 18 got her boyfriend when she was 15 and just recently broke up. So I thought, you know, and every time I told her, it's your first boyfriend, don't get too serious about it. She would, you know, show me the hand and say, mom, you don't have any cred in this conversation. That's exactly right. (laughs) Quit talking. (laughs) But he, he moved off to, to Denver with his family. Um, cause his dad got a relocation and, um, they just, uh, you know, it was easier to grow apart with yeah, the, the yeah. separation. So um, I just really hadn't thought about it until you asked me. So I think what, what I'll do when that comes up is uh, it'll be more about my daughter than about me. So I, I hope that I'll be able to fulfill their needs and expectations about what they want their wedding day to look like. Yeah. So my oldest daughter got married this summer, which was younger and earlier than I had expected, but we're super happy for them. They're, we love, we love our new son-in-law and they're so happy. So I'm happy, but I was um, very careful the whole time to just do it how Catherine wanted it because I already had my wedding and there were other relatives that had opinions and ideas. And we tried to kind of buffer their input in, in ways. Like there were things that some people really wanted to be involved so Catherine gave her, um, gave those people um, jobs that she didn't care about. She's like, I don't care how this goes about my wedding. So you do that. She didn't say it like that. But that's how we navigated the the people who had expectations on her wedding that um, weren't meeting what she was thinking. But I do think it's really important to just let it be about what their dreams are. And yeah. we've also, we've also told our girls, because we have four daughters. That's, that's a lot of expensive weddings. And we told them, hey, you want to elope? We will pay for it. But please invite us. We want to come. <laughs> that's great advice. And I'll use that line. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I want to be there because um, it's, you know, a milestone day. But 
Um, also, you know, if they want a big wedding, I will hope that I'll be able to give them a big wedding. And if they don't, I hope I'm able to give them a, a boost, like paying for them eloping and, you know, giving them some cash to help maybe with their first home or, or something like that. But if they, you know, have their heart set on, on something grand, then I hope to be able to do that for them too. But thank you for that advice about paying for it, but also requesting to be there. And, um, and also, I'm, I never really thought about it until you asked. So we're getting close. We're 22 and, and 18, and we're, you know. Yeah, probably within the next 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I'm only, I've only thought about it just because I went through it this summer, and I had to go, what are my expectations? I have not been dreaming of my daughter's weddings their whole life. Right. Um, so, and my daughter had not been dreaming of her wedding her whole life. But then she's like, oh, I guess I better make some decisions. So that part was fun, too. But, um, so take me back to when you, so you were married for like seven years before you had kids. Married in 1990 in May, May 20th. And my first daughter was born December 3rd of 97. So we were married seven years. Did you always want to be a mom? I always wanted to be a mom. I grew up an only child. Um, I've got three stepsisters on my dad's side and three stepsisters on my mom's side and I've got a half brother and a half sister but I was raised as an only child and so I always wanted more than one child I was a little lonely growing up and bored from time to time and I thought it would be kind of cool to have someone to really connect with to get in trouble with to conspire against mom and dad with to fight with from time to time so I absolutely knew that I wanted more than one I thought that I wanted five at one time but after I had my second one, I was absolutely done. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you done? Well, at that time, I was in a real stressful, high-pressure job. And um, I just felt like there was none of me left. I, uh, that's sort of my story into triathlon and into fitness. I, I was an athlete in high school. And when I graduated high school, I went to college and I was just focus, focus, focus in college. I just studied and um, really didn't stay fit, wasn't playing sports. And then I got into the corporate world and, you know, spent seven years climbing the ladder and trying to, you know, be where I'm at now at almost 52 when I was 22. You know, I was really um, anxious to, to get where I'm at. And then I had my first child and it just felt like, where did I go? You know, it was like putting so much attention on, you know, I got married and now I have a family and then I had a job and then I had a child and I just felt like I got lost in the shuffle. So I started in January of 2000 with, you know, working on my own fitness and getting fit and, you know, making myself more of a priority. And um, if you live in Austin, Texas and and you, you are interested in fitness at some point in time, you'll experience with triathlon because it's a big city for triathlon. And so after I had been a gym rat for a couple of years, I tried the dance skin triathlon here in um, Austin, Texas and, and liked it and started training in triathlon and, um, you know, met Siri and she trained me for, for 10 years. Um, so it's just sort of that, that journey of, where I felt like I wasn't taking good care of myself and I've kind of stopped taking time for me when it all hit. Um, 
Yeah. So then what did you, what kind of gifts did you gain from triathlon that you were able then to bring back to being the kind of mom you wanted to be? Well, for the 10 years I trained in a very structured formal plan with Siri, it was, you know, intense and I, I was committed and I didn't want to waste her time and I wanted to, you know, increase my ability to perform. So there was a lot of time that I had to take floor me to make that happen. And oftentimes that meant not being there in the morning to have breakfast with the kids, not driving them to school every day, you know, not being home for dinner every night. If I had a late night swim and traveling, you know, for training and races. Um, so I had to like take some of my calendar and, and carve it out for me. But what made that easier and it, and it created some problems. I think my oldest is a little resentful over it because oftentimes I would choose working out versus something with her. Um, but I, I got to the point after a few years that it really helped if I managed everyone's expectations. You know, so every Sunday afternoon, I would sort of communicate what my schedule was for the following week and what times I had available to plan activities with the family so that they knew I was busy and when I wasn't busy. And that helped quite a bit. I think that's you hit on a super important point. I actually had this very same conversation with my husband yesterday. We had had a a miscommunication of expectations this week. He had thought that I was available for like, he wanted me to be available for eight hours. I told him I was available, but I hadn't indicated it would only be for four hours. And so then when it all came out, there was frustration on both sides. And I was like, you know what? We could totally avoid this if we would just have our Sunday planning meeting like we usually do, right? Like, let's just talk about when we're available and get it on the calendar and it can happen. And then you can manage what everybody expects. Yes, it's so helpful. And even when you try hard and you have your planning meeting, there's still things that come up and there's still frustrations. And if we just show up with love and compassion and understanding for everyone involved, we can navigate through that pretty well. Um, Definitely. But, you know, life happens. Oh, for (laughs) sure. For sure. But then you're right. Like, that's the great way to approach it is with love and empathy and understanding. And then it smooths it over. The bumps are a little smoother that way for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So touch me about how did you juggle with small children and your demanding job? Like what, how did you juggle that with balance and then also with your training? Like, well, about three weeks after our oldest daughter was born, um, my mom lived seven miles away and the plan was mom was going to take care of her during the day. My husband decided he wanted to stay home. So he ended up being a stay-at-home dad for nine years. Awesome. Um, and we still had my mom seven miles away um, to help whenever he needed a break. And we put the, the girls in um, a church Mother's Day out for a morning or two a week to kind of let my husband have some time. But that helped tremendously for the nine years um, when they were pretty young so that took my oldest was nine when he went back to work and my youngest was five and we still had mom you know nearby so that helped tremendously but you know for me a little bit it bruised my maternal ego a little um because I did have an expectation as far as um I you know I I felt like I wanted to be the one home with them but 
for the family, it made sense for him. And he's the one that raised his hand and said he wanted to stay home. I, I wasn't raising my hand saying, I want to stay home. Um, so there was some emotion there. And um, it was, a, you know, a wonderful time and a, and a difficult time initially. And I think maybe I had a little resentment over it back 20 years ago when I was 30. Now, when I look back at it, I'm so grateful because the love and just time that he gave to those kids of ours over those nine years has made all the difference in their life. Um, and it's just been the, the greatest gift that we are fortunate enough to be able to do that. That is a gift. That's wonderful. And I bet he doesn't wish that time to be any different for sure. No, exactly. And what a, what a gift too. I'd, I'd read some study. This has been years ago, so I'll probably misquote it, but basically it said that for children, that the boys get their self-esteem from their, through their relationship with their mother and right. the girls get it through their relationship with their father. Exactly. And so what a gift to have so much one-on-one -on -one time with their dad, having two daughters that can just help them, you know, just set them up for success in the exactly. future, feeling good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That love from their father, I think just helps with the mental health of, um, the daughters in such a wonderful way. And one of my daughters um, broke up with their boyfriend because he wasn't treating her like they saw their dad treat me. So they had a different model for that. And nothing could make me more proud that at such a tender age, when a lot of girls are searching to feel like they're enough or to feel good enough, they don't have the courage to be able to tell a guy, look, I, I deserve to be treated better. I love you and you're a nice person, but I can't continue to see you anymore. And that was a direct result of how they've been treated by their father and how they've seen their father treat me. And I mean, it brought me to tears. That's wonderful. That is, that is wonderful. Of course, that's like a celebration moment of yeah. watching. You're like, oh, good. We dodged that enormous error <laughs> that could have been made in your life. Yay, yeah. parenting. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what kinds of things do you do now that um, continue to build a relationship with your with your girls now that they're young adult and teenager? Well, now, you know, that's a really good question, because that's the focus of my life. Um, my 22 year old goes to college at Texas State, which is 40 minutes from where we live. So she's here like right now. She gets to come home often. And my youngest is a senior in high school. So my nest is getting more empty as every day passes. It's like, it's half empty right now. And, and um, yeah. so I'm clinging on to every opportunity I have to spend with them. Like the highlight of my week is when my college girl comes downtown and has lunch with me because um, it's only about a 25 minute drive from where she's at at college to my downtown Austin office. And it's just like the highlight of my week when I have a lunch date with her, and, you know, going out with my other daughter and spending time with her, you know, when she gets home from school or in the morning, just I value it so much more than I did 15 years ago because I see that life's about to change. Um, so I'm really clinging on to these moments together and the connection and the conversations. Um, and, you know, life couldn't be any better right now. And we, we all have an awareness of how special our time is together, which I think is a real gift. We're, we're, um, not taking each other for granted back in 18. Um, my current job, I was struggling a little bit in my current job and I got an exciting 
offer offer to go to Utah to be a, a chief financial officer for a startup company. And I was just in need of adventure, you know, the, the usual grind of being in the same corporate job for a long time and dealing with, you know, the really full training schedule that I kept up and driving into downtown Austin every day and just all the family responsibility. I said, I am going, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I took a, I picked up and left the family in April of 18 and moved to Utah. And, um, you know, by the time July came, I was back working with my regular company here in Austin, Texas, but I was doing some project work in South Texas. So I wasn't really home a lot. So me just kind of getting up and leaving like that kind of heightened all of our awareness of how precious time together is. Yeah, I would say so. So then you weren't there very long though, because you're back in Austin now. Yeah, I'm back in Austin now. I, I was there, you know, from April to July of 18. And then I told the owner of the company I'm at now, I want to come back. And um, but then I was on location in South Texas, which is about a six hour drive from here. So I wasn't like home with the family a lot, but they would come down there and, and visit me and I would come home often enough. And then probably about November of 18, I was back in Austin on a daily basis. And through all through 19, I did a lot of work on the project, but, you know, I would, you know, go for a week at a time or three days at a time. And, you know, wasn't often that I was gone from home for a whole week solid. Well, that's, yeah, that's nice. And it is kind of um, times and seasons, right? So that was a yeah. time you were gone a lot. So you valued your time at home, but now you haven't let go of that. And you're still realizing that, that your time all together in this nuclear family relationship. So it's, it's changing. Yeah. And it, you know, like a lazy afternoon on a Sunday, for example, I could be at Utah in Utah by myself. So, you know, when normal families are you know, might be bored and don't know what to do with each other. I'm just grateful to be around them and to have them in my presence. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's something that I'm getting more and more used to as my older two don't live at home and I'm about to launch my third in the summer. So it's kind of, it's, it is precious time together. Um, it's super important. So what are, what are your plans when they're all gone? Do you have any, anything cooking that's going to keep you extra busy so you're not too lonesome? I don't have any plans. I'm just kind of living in the moment, taking one day at a time. And um, the, the oldest one's got another semester or two at, in college. And then the youngest one's got four years. And I just haven't thought that far down. I love my job. I love the company that I'm with. So I, I don't see myself, you know, even remotely thinking about leaving that position. Um, I think a lot of the reason why I feel like I'm retired from racing is I just have a higher awareness that how close my nest is to being empty. So I'm just doing things to stay generally fit, but really don't have the desire to train high volume and, you know, leave town and race. Maybe I'll have another chapter of, you know, being a competitive yeah. athlete when they're gone. That's a, that's a distinct possibility, right? Have a little bit yeah. more, a little bit more time, a little, little bit more of an empty house where you're like, okay, I could go do this now. No one will be missing me while I'm gone. And my sweet mom only lives seven miles away. So I'm spending a lot more time with her and going on trips with her. And, um, so that's, that's, you know, time well spent and something that just fills me up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, that you never know how long that will be. So that's a, that's a right, a real gift for sure. So will your, will your younger daughter go to the same university and be close to home also, or is she going to yep. go further away? She loves it. You know, she's like her sister coming home often and she sees it as like your cake and eat it too. She gets to go off to college, but she still has the support of mom and dad nearby. And I'm proud of her for seeing that as a asset. Well, I think that also probably speaks to your parenting and the relationship that you and your husband have, have built with your girls, that they even want to be that close. Yeah. Because a lot of kids are like, I can't wait to get out of here. And that could just be their <laughs> personality too. That could, that's not necessarily a reflection on parenting and relationship. Yeah. It could just be personality. They need to spread their wings, but um, that's wonderful. They want to stay close by. What kind of advice would you give moms that are preparing to start or are in the middle of parenting a young adult? Because it's different, right? Yeah. It's know, totally you, different than parenting a five-year-old. Yeah. You know, you've got to let them live their own life. Yeah. So I try not to solve problems for them, but I like to be a sounding board for them. And I feel like I've gained their trust where oftentimes they do come to me and have extremely vulnerable moments with me where they just want to talk. And I that's just the biggest gift. But I think you, you've got to give them enough room to where they can make their own mistakes and get up again. And hopefully that you've laid the foundation and, and raised them well enough until this point in their life that they, they got what they need to make really good decisions. Um, yeah, I think but, so too. And yeah. for sure that they, that for me, it seems that you've got to get to the point where they act that where they're coming to you, rather than you constantly offering advice unsolicited <laughs> seems exactly. to be a lot more effective when they want to know what you think. <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, also make it a habit of, you know, checking in with them on a normal basis just to, you know, stay connected and talking about, you know, sharing what's going on in my life and in turn, they can share what's going on in their life. Um, for example, my youngest daughter came in this week and said, mom, I'm really at a crossroads. I can't decide if I want to live with my sister for my first year of college, or if I want to live in the dorm and have that dorm experience and meet new people. And I just really can't decide. Um, and she's like, what would you do? And I'm like, well, you know, I would live with my sister because I never had a sister and you already know what it's like living with her and, and things are going to change, you know, after college in a blink of an eye, you will be off and having your own family. I go, but the, the decision is really yours. You know, yeah. she's like, well, how will I meet people if I don't live in the dorm? I go, well, you can meet them at class. You can meet them at work. You can have study groups or you can go live in the dorm. You know, it's totally your decision. You asked me my opinion and I didn't have a sister, so I would choose to live with my sister. <laughs> right. Right. Because you have a, a different perspective, right? Yeah. 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 And, and also as a mom, I find that my perspective is like, oh, I would live with my sister because I know that it might be your last opportunity to live with your sister. So, right. but in, the, but, but, you know, the, like you say, they've got to decide for themselves and she's not going to make a wrong choice. Both have different, different opportunities for learning and growth. So, right. And the riskier thing is to live in the dorm because you know what it's like living with your sister. You've already done that for 18 years. Yeah. You know, your roommate (laughs) as opposed to some stranger (laughs) who might have weird habits that you wish you weren't living with them. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, just one last question I have for you is, so what do you do to that just really fills you up and makes it so you feel like you can be giving and meeting your expectations and you're working out and at work and in your, in your relationship with your husband and with your girls, like what just fills you up? Lately, it has been spending time with my mom. Um, it seems like over the past couple of years, our relationship has grown to a whole new level. Um, this, this December, I took her to New York for a five-day trip. And for her birthday, I took her to Utah for a week. And we met up with my aunt there. Um, and it just feels so good to, to be connecting with her at a different level. Um, and it, it also feels so good cause I know it's so meaningful to her, um, that yeah. we're best friends now. She's 76 and I'm about to be 52. And you know, what else as a mom, can you, can you wish for that? You know, when your children become adults that they turn into one of your best friends. That is for real. One of my very greatest wishes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What what a blessing that is for both of you. I love that so much. Well, I have gained so much out of our conversation. And I so appreciate your time, Karen. Thank you. Thank oh, you for thank joining you. me on the podcast. Thank you so much. I look forward to many more conversations. Yes, ma'am. And you have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Karen Burks as much as I did. I loved how she talked about managing expectations and carving time out for yourself and and just greeting each situation with love and compassion and understanding. I think that's just been a really good um, good advice for every challenge that we face in mothering. Thanks for joining me today on the Epic Mom Podcast. Tune in next week when I visit with my good friend, Melissa Bailey. She is an organizational wizard, and I learned so much from our conversation. So glad you joined me today, friends. Go out and make it an epic day.